Who wouldn't want to be a cool vampire riding bikes with a mullet in the, in the 80s? Hey, this is Unrefined Podcast. I'm Brandon Spain, your host, with co-host Lindsay Waters. Welcome to another episode. Hey, 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 everybody. We are excited to be here with you. We are uh, doing something new, something we're going to try to start doing at least once a month. Maybe more, I don't know, but a program or a show called We're Watching You. And in this show, we're going to start uh, watching 80s, 90s movies, and or any kind of movie, honestly, or, or TV shows or different things. And um, just kind of look at the predictive programming, the symbolism, all that kind of stuff that are in the shows and just kind of just have a great conversation and talk about what we see and particularly in the great purveyor of our culture, which is the media. So just want to introduce everybody, my awesome co-host, Lindsay. Hey, hey. And my awesome 20-year-old son, who is very perceptive in things of culture. So here's Nathan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yes. He has his uh his dark voice on. Anyway, so we're just going to uh, hang out tonight, you guys. This is not like going to be a formal podcast like we generally do, but uh if you guessed from the graphic from the the podcast, we watched The Lost Boys. Uh, who directed that? Anybody, any, any of y'all know? Is it a famous director that directed The Lost Boys? Joel Schumacher. Joel Sh- Schumacher. What else has he directed? I have no idea. Man, those two terrible uh, last movies of the, the Batman, the 90s Batman franchise. Um, the ones with Arnold Schwarzenegger and... Uh, oh, he did the, uh, the Batman Robin. Yeah, Batman Forever and then Batman... And Robin. Um, oh, yeah. But he also did St. Elmo's Fire. He did. Which is good. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. And that's kind of a connection I'm going to bring up later, I think. Um, besides the funny one, the greatest enigma of all. Why did Sam have a poster of Rob Lou on his wall? Yeah. But yeah, um, we all know we all had a secret fantasy for Rob Lowe in the <laughs> in the eighties. I didn't. Of course, you didn't. Child of my <laughs> loins, you, yes. you, you, yeah, yes, but I was not born. Yeah, you were not born. That's that is correct. So, all right. So, what did what did we, you know, what just popped out this movie? You know, I mean, we were watching it and. It's 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 of the vampire genre, but I think there's a lot of other things going on in this movie other than vampirism. But we can start with there. Lindsay and Nathan and I have kind of talked a little bit about we compared it to other genres, and I think the first question I want to ask all of us is, 
what was like the other vampire genres in this movie? You know, what what part of the mythos or mythos of uh, vampirism is incorporated into this show, this movie? You know, just the obvious ones. What do you? What? Well, they had the avoiding daylight thing, at least for the full-on vampires, and I guess a little bit for the half vampires. Yeah. Or they always slept. Yeah. You know what I found interesting? You always need to rest. Yeah. Well, during the day. And even the other full vampires, they were way back in the dark, you know, in the cave. And of course, there's spoilers. If you've never seen Lost Boys, don't listen to this. Don't listen to this podcast, please. Just turn it off, go watch it, and come back and listen to it. Anyway, but David and the boys, so to speak, were all in the back. I find it interesting that they hung the whole bat myth mythos. Is it mythos or mythos? Mythos. I don't know. Anyway, mythos. Uh, mythos. Is it? Okay. I don't care. I could really be pronounced however you want to pronounce it. I really don't think it matters. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, they um, hung like bats in the back. And then their kills were more flying bat type, like like reminiscent of the the angel slash demon in Midnight Mass. Um, I didn't even think about yeah. that, but you're right. That's true. I wonder if I wonder if they um they had wings when they did these attacks or if they just, just flew like Superman and, you know, just had claws. I don't know. I'm trying to remember if they actually show them flying. I thought they did and I don't remember seeing wings, but I could be wrong. They do. There is that one really weird scene where right after um, Michael, like I think it's the day after Michael becomes a half vampire, they fly around their house with their bikes. Oh, you yeah, that that's scene? right. That's right. Yeah. That. So it could be that it could be that they just float. I'd imagine. I don't think it'd look really cool flying around with wings. Yeah. So I assume they just float. I don't think they ever showed a, a a scene with them flying. They did show a couple of them jumping. Yeah. Though. Yeah, I think they they did. You know, it'd be I, I, when you said that. I had the image of Meatloaf's uh, album "Bad Out of Hell." You know, with the motorcycle with with wings coming out of it. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they flew around with wings. Um, I think they yeah they floated like Superman and. Came in for their kills. Any other commonalities of the mythos of vampirism? Obviously, blood. That's yeah. That is a huge <laughs> and holy point. water affected them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it all comes back to blood. Which I don't remember. In Midnight Mass, did was there ever a moment where they used holy water in that show? You know, I don't think they used fire. I remember that i don't i don't think they ever used holy i don't water. think they used holy water either which is really weird because it's based in the catholic faith and um, and holy water is you always have it i mean when when i used to pray with a friend of mine at a catholic church there was always holy water in the dispenser right by the um right because that's that's where that's where the kids got it in lost boys they got out of the catholic church <laughs> that was so funny them just Pulling up and during the mass and or whatever that was and 
like a baptism or something. That baptism of the baby, up, yeah. And filling up their their um, canteens out of the the font or the the thing at the the doorway. Yeah. The yeah. Well, that's what holy water is. A lot, a lot of non liturgical people out there might not get that, but holy water is not just water for vampires. Holy water is is what the what the Catholics excuse me, using the church for exorcism. They use it for blessing things. And it, all it is is the blessed water from before baptism. Mm-hmm. And so when they when they baptize an infant or a person or an adult, which they do baptize adults sometimes, uh, the water that's left over is blessed. Um, it, it's either disposed out on the ground to be poured into back into nature or it's kept in a font or, or kept some sort of a way because it's actually blessed because Catholics believe in a, 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 a different form of grace conveyed when they bless things like transubstantiation and communion and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's what holy water is. It's basically bad baptism water. Mm. And that's where, the old, that's where the old expression, don't throw the baby out with the bath water came from so never heard that expression yeah ever you've never heard that oh Oh, son your gen z is showing we need to we need to we got a caveat i don't think that's a that's a term so what was the most exciting part of this film we have some comic relief that we talk about in a few minutes but what was the most exciting part of 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 the film to you guys I guess the the true villain reveal has always been for me that you know um, at the my, end, yeah, finding out who the the real head vampire head vampire was. Probably the most exciting moment for me was probably when Bill got murdered, honestly, because <laughs> they they did not fit in with the others. Yeah, it was hard to take him seriously in that movie. It really was. I mean. Kiefer's haircut was enough. His name wasn't Bill, by the way. All, to our studio audience, or not studio audience, to our audience, it's it's a guy that played Bill in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He played one of the nominal vampire parts that... His name was Marco yeah. in the movie. It's Alex Winter is the, the actor. Marco? Oh, okay. So we have our, our movie trivia guy on here. He can tell us just about anything, which is really awesome. So... No, no, I'm looking at the cast right now. <laughs> he has he has Google at his fingertips too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I just remember this movie. Uh, it stirred up a lot of nostalgia because back when I was a kid, and and rewatching it now as as someone who's almost fifty, it just it, it just didn't have the. It was very lackluster. But when I was a kid back in the eighties, man, I thought it was number one. Star was hot. I mean, you know. You know, you're a your teenage kid. Candy girl. And okay. yeah, yeah. And, and the second thing is, you know, you always wanted to be a Corey. I mean, when I was a kid, they were just like, the girls loved them. So you always wanted to be one of the Coreys. And uh, the girls seemed to flock more towards Corey uh, Haim than Corey Feldman. But, but, you know, they were, after this movie, kind of put them together. I think they were in another one before this. I don't know. But this is the cementing movie of their relationship where they were almost inseparable and they started in a bunch of other movies but uh yeah it, there's tons of symbolism in this movie um so who wants to start with what they saw that jumped out at them that 
kind of predictive programming now that we're like what 30 years removed from this movie are we about 30 in about 30 years 40 years 37 let's see about 30 35 yeah i mean it yeah i'm 40 so yeah yeah so oh well i guess what did y'all think about the go ahead well i just thought about i mean just the title the Lost Boys. I mean, where do you obviously get yeah. that from? Peter yeah. Pan. P- Peter and Pan, yeah. yeah. Peter Pan is about this sort of Pied Piper-ish character who apparently was a lot more sinister in the, the books. The J.M. Barry, I guess, uh, killed off some of the Lost Boys at various times to keep them... <laughs> From from getting older and but anyway you know he, regardless he was just kind of this when you really think about it it's not really cool he's this kid who flies into people's houses and convinces them to run away from home murdering these other kids um is he, he a fairy a fairy or a fae no okay but he was associated with fairies. So so yeah, because Tinkerbell, what 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 yeah. what is what was his backstory? How did he obtain that immortality of staying a child? Oh well, I mean, you just go to Never Neverland, is my understanding of it. He he got flown there by a bird or something, I think, in the books, and yeah, went in a place where they they played, and there was uh, it was like like well, like Neverland sort of. They kept them youthful. Yeah. Yeah. The place, the, the area kept kept them. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm wow. That's really interesting. You bring you, you're bringing this out. Like think about this. Okay, Michael Jackson, Neverland. Okay, you know, and he always tried to keep mm-hmm. keep himself youthful, right? Okay, yeah. but then think about the, the the comparison. Take Peter Pan and that story and put it over the movie. They were in mm-hmm. Santa Santa Clara, and there was yeah. Carla, Carla, and there was an amusement park is where they dominated. It was very kid through the whole mm-hmm. the whole sh- the whole show i mean the, the kids were the heroes the kids were the you know right and uh and they had a small boy with yes. them yeah as well. and you yeah exactly and and who was peter pan the the video store guy the head vampire yeah david was well i don't know well i guess you think it's gonna be Kiefer, but he, no he, he's yeah he's a, it ends up being the the max character um, yeah, yeah, and he kept them all eternally youthful, which is also yeah. Y'all go ahead. The connection to today, kind of, oh, is we live in a time where kids are being encouraged to literally block, like on a chemical hormonal level, block uh, maturity, puberty, hmm. yeah, and. I mean, yeah, now, obviously there's no gender connections in this movie or, to my knowledge, the Peter Pan story, but still, I just, I, I couldn't help but think about that. And and beyond that, just people in general are kind of really being encouraged to, you know, the Gen Z and, and us millennials, too. There's been this sort of 
you know, delaying adulthood thing that you see um, that's become prevalent. And yeah, I'd, I couldn't help but, but think about that when I thought about the whole Peter Pan connection here. And then there's no, of course, Pan ever since, well, the last couple of years, but really going back to watching the Guillermo del Toro movie, Pan's Labyrinth. And, you know, the creepy part at the beginning where it talks about the girl and, you know, she used to live with, she was the daughter of the king of the underworld. And then enter this girl who encounters Pan, the the Greek sort of satyr god, where we get the term panic. He was a really bad guy if you read into his mythology. So yeah, Peter Pan mm-hmm. is connected to Pan. And Pan, of course, is connected to Satan. Any way you look at it. What's the relation between Pan and, and Bacchus? Is there a connection between That's a, the god of wine? Yeah, is he was he a goat god too, Bacchus? I don't think so. No, he wasn't. Okay. Yeah. God of pleasure and wine. Okay. Um, I'm sure they were connected. The, the Roman version, Bacchus is just the Roman just version a, of... Yeah, he's like a party. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there was a connection with Pan there somewhere. Right. Who is... Which is a goat person. Well, that that enters something that I saw there, the whole doors connection, but the, the doors of, you know... Uh, Atlas, Atlas Huxley, right. the doors of perception, but yeah, yeah but Jim, Jim Morrison, Morrison, who was he considered himself a Dionysian, you know, and and part right. part of the whole Dionysian doctrine is is interesting enough. We, Sandy, my wife and I, we were just watching a show that was um, it, it's a it's a fiction show, but it's based on I guess I, I don't know historical type fiction. They just interviewed Manson, and Manson runs along the same whole motif of the Lost Boys. He had a family, and he took kids that were thrown out, neglected, whatever, brainwashed them, and he had his his family. And and uh, something I never realized until I watched this show is that Manson was so short. Yeah. But yet he wielded so much power, and, and I see that I see that kind of motif there in in uh lost boys because we i mean we all know there's theories out there that manson was a cia patsy you know a cia asset and stuff mm-hmm. and there's actually some some pretty good proof for it but we won't go there in our we're watching you episode one but uh yeah uh i, I think that's really fascinating the whole doors thing because that that picture of jim morrison on the wall comes up quite a bit you see it quite a bit and then even the doors music that's echoing the bunnyman but it's still doors music that um is a part of the primary music of the soundtrack yeah right and the one they kept using uh were was people are strange mm-hmm. yeah not break on through or riders on the storm, but people are strange, which has a very carnival feel to it. I mean, if you look at the album cover, it has people like looking out of doors. Yeah. Circus freaks. Exactly. So there's a whole, whole theme of carnival there too. And and, you know that I I think that, that, that whole amusement park was crucial Had some kind of symbolism in the movie. Because it seemed to all center around that, 
Mm-hmm. More than just where the kids hung out. Yeah. It could it could really just be I mean, obviously the movie itself has some form of tie to the idea of transhumanism itself because I mean who doesn't, you know, look at this the situation that Michael's in. Obviously, you know, as the situation that Michael was in, who wouldn't, you know, fall under peer pressure and become a vampire yeah. to be cool. I mean, obviously not knowing he was going to end up that way, but still people, you know, of a younger, the younger age are going to see these choices and make them either in the moment like Michael did, or obviously his choice as possibly David did or any of the other guys yeah. because they enjoyed it. Yeah. They enjoyed everything they did as vampires, including star yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, well, and, and don't forget, Michael, it's it's about the girl, too. This is a romantic thing, too. So you have to throw that in there. Kind of, yeah. I think that was the primary purpose kinda. of his. But, I mean, who doesn't want to live forever? Uh, we just... We yeah. just right. That's yeah. the whole point. I mean... Who wouldn't want to be a cool vampire? Right. Riding bikes with a mullet. In the 80s. With E.T. Oh, that's, that's another movie. Anyway. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, it was the, the bikes. A lot of, lot of Stranger Things feelings, vibes there. I really, since after watching Stranger Things, I feel the whole, the whole, you know, how they incorporated so many Easter eggs to different, uh, I think that's the word to use, Easter eggs to different nods to different 80s yeah. movies and in Stranger Things, but um, so how do you think this compares to other vampire movies? I mean, is it is this really a movie about vampires, or is it a movie about something else? Well, well, I, that's a good question because before I had even watched the movie, I didn't know what it was about. I had no idea what it was about. The cover of the movie itself doesn't really tell you what it's really about until you watch the movie. So I'd say probably not, although I couldn't put my finger on what exactly this movie's about. Besides being a possible, you know, uh, show don't tell. Yeah. Or, you know, protesting what's to come. Or just nitpicking things that are in the future. As predictive programming involving a younger generation and an older generation that rules, there could be a multitude of things. Yeah, the irony of it is a lot of the stars that are in it are now boomers. A lot of the stars are, yeah. you know, like like um, well, I'm sure the grandpa's dead, but they some of the other are the old people now, like uh, Max and mm. I mean, even some of the actors are are. are they're Gen Z, but they're not. They're uh, quite a few years older than me. The Corys are about five or six years. Well, one of them, one of them passed away, but I think Corey Feldman's about five or six years older than me. So, uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, there's that generational thing. What are you, what are you gonna say, Lindsay? I'm sorry. Yeah, I just think the the Peter Pan sort of Pied Piper thing is important. I think the movie is a lot more about that. Um, just. And just this longing for family 
and just longing for even just community and belonging and you know mm. yeah bad people coming in and offering that to you versus well, you know other more wholesome people offering it to you that's a good point you see both of that yeah what did you say nay i said that's 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 true cuz that's all that that's all that max wanted in the end a family a larger family well, mom for my boys yeah right which is, yeah, real fascinating. But, you know, let's go back to the Pied Piper thing. I mean, okay, a Pied Piper, the mythos of he piped all the children out of the town, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then back, and then back when I was talking about, um, I was talking about Manson, which that was his stomping grounds back in the 60s and 70s, that whole, that whole valley area, okay? And you know, he was in Laurel Canyon and Santa Monica, all this area is just one big town. I mean... If you've been out there, you understand it's, it. You can't tell where one stops and one starts, and and where L.A. ends, and you know. It, but but you have that. But then the Piper, the Piper aspect. Pan. What is Pan known for? Yeah, you know, he plays he's, the pipes, and he plays the pipes. And, yeah. Yep. So there's that motif running running through there. The whole, I guess, myth. Of the 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 enemy type person taking away your children, you know, that taking away the youth of the country uh, of the area yeah. that has been a a fear of parents for years. It's interesting where that that comes from and that played out. That kind of fit very well over Lost Boys. And and there's 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 another. I don't know if it's a movie or a documentary, but aren't there an, another group of Lost Boys somewhere over in Asia or Africa? Well, there was something name, about yeah, it. in Sudan. There was this just this generation of boys who were just kind of orphans, had no families, and just wandered by themselves because of all the the unrest there. Um, they had some. In, mm. There, there were some Sudanese lost boys in Yazoo at one time because I remember some of them were kind of sponsored by different churches, but Trinity Episcopal uh, sponsored it. I know at least one of them for a little while. I can't remember his name. He used to come to a ministry I volunteered at back then, the Way Cafe. But mm. yeah, I, I think that that's the other place where I'm familiar with that term is the Sudanese lost boys. Yeah, me too. It's interesting that they use that that terminology, orphan, orphan esque, you know, lost and. So here's that Rob Lowe connection. I know we joked about his poster, and you know, yeah. Schumacher had directed another movie with him in it, Saint Elmo's Fire, and I mean, obviously we can't. This isn't Saint Elmo's Fire, but. Rob Lowe's character in St. Elmo's Fire was kind of a lost boy. You know, he's like peaked in college and trying to find himself and getting into trouble, got into a bad marriage and had a kid and was trying to get back to those college years, but also wanted to come to maturity and couldn't, you know, and didn't feel like he belonged. Yeah. He's almost sort of a lost boy. Or one of them. I mean, you could probably argue with everyone in that movie were, were lost boys and girls too. But yeah, especially Rob Lowe's character in, in St. Elmo's Fire. 
it's sort of a but was the same the same now did that have a uh, Demi Moore in it, St. Elmo's Fire? Was she in? Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of Laura Yuppie types. Yeah. I get it confused with less than zero sometimes. Yeah. I get I get that, that movie confused with less than zero because that's similar. Of course, it had Iron Man in it, whatever his name is. I can't think of his name right now. I, but, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. And... Uh, but St. Elmo's Fire, did it have the same girl that was in Lost Boys in it, too? No. I don't think Jane no. Gertz okay. was in there. Okay. What else was she in? She was in Crossroads. And she was in Less Than Zero. That's what you're talking about. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I-, I wondered why she looked so yeah. familiar. Yep. Yep. Her, Andrew McCarthy, yeah. who was also in... Um. St. Elmo's Fire was also in less than zero. So there's another yeah, that's, connection there. Well, that was, they were all called, the they were, I told Nathan, <laughs> they're the Brat Pack. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, trying to mimic mm. the uh, 50s, 40s brat, Rat Pack, which was yeah. uh, Jerry Lewis and Sam, yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., all those guys, yeah. Yep, yep. So they were the Brat Pack, but there was a ton of them. I was telling Nathan about them a few months ago. It was, there was just, you know, and they were all super popular. And yep. Rob Lowe was yes, one of them, Rob, wasn't he? Rob Lowe was one of them. I think them. Some, some people were kind of included sometimes, and there wasn't total agreement about who it was, all of them. Um, yeah, some of them, some of them younger, like the, the, the Corys. I mean, it's kind of a sketchy whether they were really, because they were still, they were so young during yeah. that. It's, it was more the, the older ones, you know, even, and then, and then there was arguments about whether the outsiders, a lot of those guys were in it or not, you know, because yeah. they were older than, than. Well, yeah, Patrick dudes, Swayze was so. a good bit older than. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I just thought that was an interesting connection with Rob Lowe's character. And you see his poster on the wall there. Yeah. It's just an unprecedented poster to have in a young boy's room. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he just really liked it. But you know, I I bet you many people didn't notice it probably except for us. That's what's so crazy. (laughs) Because we were just sitting there trying to pick it apart, you know. All right, so let's... Well, not many people would probably question why he would have a Rob Lowe poster in not in today's age. (laughs) Anyway, so... The big, the big yeah. symbolism here, and and this goes in and plays in with Midnight Mass that we've watched, which that might be a movie we might need to watch again. Well, it's not a movie; it's a well, it's a big, huge, long series movie. Yeah. But, 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 uh, um, is the whole concept, and I, I'd never heard of this until Midnight Mass, and then, and then again in Lost Boys, because obviously I had heard of it, but I didn't think about it. Is the whole concept of you have to drink a vampire's blood to get halfway there? Now, is yeah. that part of the vampire mythos? I mean, it's like a Eucharistic type sim- ritual. That one was new for me. Not usually. I thought the vampire just bit you and then drank your blood. Yeah, me too. What about you, what about you Nathan? Well, that's that's how it's always usually been played off as. It's almost like an infection in most forms of media. But Midnight Mass and... Lost Boys both have that in common, and I'm trying to think. There is another one that, um, where you have to change by drinking the blood. There have been multiple games I can think of where that's been the case. 
Interview with the even Vampire. When, it's been years since I've seen that, and I didn't even see the whole thing, I don't think. Yeah, the Vampire Lestat. She just died, died not that I'm, long ago. Yeah, yeah, I've Rice's never seen that movie. Books. Ooh. Yeah. She uh now that what's interesting about about the whole thing is that is and I saw this similar in Midnight Mass is is when they drank the blood, the Eucharistic blood, so to speak, the blood of the vampire, they started to crave and you, you heard their heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom. The same type imagery was used in both that show and in Lost Boys at the, for the craving of other blood. And, and you remember in right. the night mass, they were walking, some of the people were walking around at the end, like his parents were, they were fighting down the craving and, and acting halfway normal, even though they had it, you know, whereas a lot of people were, were, they were all acting on the craving. And you saw that to a star and, and she said how it, it wears you down beginning to, to the point where mm-hmm. you want to drink the blood. But see, all that is, is that's a, that goes back to the, even you know this is questionable but this is the kind of podcast we are to even the real vampire type story the real cryptid the real vampires that involves i think drinking of the blood of the vampire before the bite or before the kill or whatever so yeah, yeah i find it interesting because because they didn't they didn't do the bite on the neck thing till the very end with his with their mother mm-hmm. That Max was about to bite her on the neck makes you wonder if, if that would have turned her fully into a vampire or if if the attack was still needed. Yeah, yeah and he was mm-hmm. a head vampire, so there was, the rules were different for him. Maybe he... Mm. Yeah, what was it? Well, then again, whose blood, whose blood was that then that he... That Michael yeah, drink yeah. good question. Do they collect their own blood occasionally for that purpose? I, I don't really tell you. Yeah, and, and it seems like their their purpose was conquest, but not like the whole let's take over. But then, then I started thinking about the whole. This is just me being too super logical. The whole I thought about this later on that night. The whole pyramid scheme. I mean, the head vampire had to have had someone who had turned him. So yeah. there's never really a, it's like kind of like the whole conundrum with the Pope. <laughs> who's over the Pope? Well, yeah, the Bishop, who's over the Bishop, the Pope, who's over the Pope? Well, God, you know, it's it just like the whole hierarchical form of, of that. Anyway, I was, I was thinking too much being overthinking about it. It's just a movie, but uh, we have to remember that it is just a movie and, you know, there's inconsistencies in there and stuff, but uh, yeah, overall, this is just a to me, it's just a real cult classic movie. I mean, it's um, everybody I know loves it. I'm sure there's people out there that don't like it. I talk about it online. You know, I have, a, I have this funny meme that I actually posted today on Facebook to get people ready. You know, it's a whole worms and maggots, it's Chinese a, food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole Chinese food. I think. You know, and what was that power? What was that? I have never seen. He had the power, like like eleven Man, that, to make some. Not eleven. The uh, the other girl, the 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 um, Asian girl that was with eleven to make yeah. people see what they fear. Yep. What what was that power? That's new. Know. Um, it, vampires have always been shown to have 
um, manipulation, uh, like by by yeah, it's usually more like people. mesmerism and hypnosis yeah. kind of power. Yeah, I remember Bela Lugosi back then. You know, old Dracula back a long time ago. He would look at the women and he would look at them with those eyes, and they would fall smit- smitten to him and come to him. You know, because he was like definitely not a good looking dude. So, um, but uh, yeah mesmerism but yeah i mean i wouldn't wouldn't think that but yeah we we need to include the fact that vampires probably practice magic obviously just that there there could be uh, a variation of species of different types and all over the all over the world i remember watching a a documentary about certain species it was all fake found footage films and it would show marines military people entering caves and finding giant bat women women with like obviously the facial features of a woman and the rest is just a body of bat and it and it's all and and the idea of these creatures are spread across the world you know it's real hard to find a common denominator where all these points of similar creatures connect like there's a single single entity where they've all branched Hmm. from wonder what kind of cryptid that would be called a, a woman bat i guess a vampire i don't they weren't called vampires, no. I don't remember exactly what they were called. Yeah. It was a Asian, I believe, an Asian myth. Mm. Asian or Middle Eastern. Mm. Myth of a bat-like woman. Mm. I don't remember what it was called. That's fascinating. A, a cryptid that, that included that. Oh, it's it's... A really strange name. It's called a. Ooh, I can't pronounce that. A. Share it screen. Look it up on. That real quick. I've definitely known some old bats before. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why bats are chosen as far as the the mythos of uh of vampires. You know, why not owls or 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 some falcons or something? But they're always bats. It's a mythical creature in the Philippines. Menengal. Menengal. It is winged women. Winged women. Bat women with bat wings. With. It looks like they have. Bat women. It looks like you can tell they're women, at least on the upper part. So I'm not trying to be vulgar, but. but, I'm not safe for work uh, pictures of them here. Yeah. Um, That's fascinating, though. Menengal. Say it again. What are we calling it? Manigal. Interesting cryptid. It's a, yeah. so it's a Philippine, Philippine myth. Philippine myth. Fascinating. Yeah, I guess I guess the, the the bats are chosen for the whole vampire mythos because of the the nocturnalness of them, right? I mean, they yeah. come out at night. Uh, they and then there's that one the species that does drink blood. I mean. Yeah, vampire bat. Yeah, uh, you know, in the whole aspects of caves, this it's just there's a thing about caves and cryptids too. Um, 
I mean, look in Mid- Midnight Mass. Once again, he found the demon slash angel in a cave. Locked away. Uh, the Kandahar giant yeah. was in, 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 a, in a cave. Giants in caves. Yep. and um, Anyway, I, I just find that interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess back to the whole him manipulating reality, making him see things that aren't there. I mean, that, that, isn't that the world we live in? <laughs> Don't believe what your eyes yeah. are, are seeing. That's what the media tells you in so many words. Well, and, and two, I mean, well, here's a big one too, Lindsay. I piggybacking off of what you just said. Look, if it involves changing your blood, whatever it is, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not natural. It's not right. Our, our stomachs are made to not even be able to handle too much blood. I mean, if you drink too much blood, you vomit. I don't know how a lot of these people do it, but they don't drink a lot of it is what it is. But but, you know, internal bleeding, people, if they have an internal, I'm not trying to get too graphic, but they have some sort of a ulcer or something like that, a bleeding ulcer stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they vomit the blood out because the, the blood, you know, is, the stomach can't digest blood, which is fascinating. And, well, and then the whole admonition in the, in the Bible. Yeah. Blood is ahead, like Lizzie. this sacred cleansing thing but it also makes you unclean if you touch it in the wrong way and and, and especially under the old old yep. covenant so it was like that paradox yeah, that's what i was about to it's about, it was about, I was about to go into it's life is in the blood the admonition uh the new new covenant in the book of acts the gentiles could do anything basically except eat you know the blood, blood. of an animal blood and fat and we never understood the fat thing but yeah yeah it's good for you. Yeah, I never understood it either. That was, was that was that Old Testament or was that New Testament as well? Well, more Old Testament, but part of it was the fat was just yeah. part of the offering. I mean, it was supposed to be yeah, purely the, bit, the best the offering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why it was. It wasn't that it was bad for you. It was that it's the best part of the meat. If you eat an animal that's fat, that means you're you, you're living in a life of of plenty. What the Bible says about the Midnight Mass Angel. Yeah. Another fascinating predictive programming movie TV show. If you haven't seen it, I recommend I recommend you getting a taste of Midnight Mass. You might like it, you might not. But uh Lost Boys was was fun. We had a good time watching it. And uh Yeah. You know, there is one thing though. You guys, is there anything else you guys had to say or want to bring out about this? This Real show, quick, or you want to wrap the, it up? the theme song, um, "Cry Little Sister" yeah. by Gerard McMahon. You know, he wrote it. He didn't yeah. see the movie yet, but he wrote it for the movie based on the script. Um, oh, okay, I didn't know that. I thought this was interesting. Second line, first couple of lines: "Last fire will rise behind those eyes." Black house will rock. Blind boys don't lie. The black house. I don't know. I don't know if Gerard McMahon. I don't believe anyone when they say my songs about this because they tell people different things. And I think songwriters like to mess with people, and just keep people guessing. But yeah, 
Black House. I, I mean, that's the that used to be the headquarters and and where else? But San Francisco of the of LaVey's Church of Satan is called the Black House. I think it's still there. Mm. It was a literal black house, solid painted solid. Wow. Um, so I've, I'm wondering if there's not some connection there. Maybe not. I don't know Gerard McMahon. I don't know his background. Again, it's hard to interpret song lyrics, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, song lyrics, yeah, we were talking about that this evening. We were talking about uh, uh, 70s music, and I was telling the boys how... Uh, Cry Little sorry, uh, Cry Little Sister is the name of the song. Cry Little Sister, yeah. How Jackie Blue is, is you, you hear it, but some people thought it was about drugs, and some people don't. Anyway, so yeah, songwriters are... They do that on purpose, that, cause, because it's about mystery. Yeah. Um, that's the that's that's the main difference between, but even with God, there's mystery. But the, but that's the main difference between you know uh, somebody with a more biblical worldview versus a non-biblical worldview is is God wants to make mysteries plain. He wants to reveal knowledge and not have secret knowledge to, you know, have over people. But the world knowledge is power, and that's the acquirement through all these different occult groups and organizations is is knowledge and even. Even with vampires, I mean, I, I, I seem to remember, I don't know if I'm right about this, is there something about knowing the vampire's name that had some kind of power over him, or is that just demons? I don't remember that one. But that made me think about something we neglected, the whole invite, you have to invite me in thing. Yes. That, yeah, yes. that was an important yeah, part of the, the vampire lore in, in this movie. Um you don't really see yeah, it's it. interesting. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, because uh, David and the boys, they weren't ever invited in, but they just burst in. They came in through the chimney, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, uh, but it could have been that, that they were, they had legal rights to come in because Max was let in by Michael, you know, through the, through the threshold, yeah. which goes back to the importance of the, the whole concept in the Bible. There's a threshold covenant. There's a threshold. When they did the death angel came during Egypt during the plague, you had to do the entire door. You just didn't do the left and right side and the top. You did the threshold, the bottom as well, you know, to predict against the angel of death. The only thing I think I really have left to say is Santa Clara is a, is a great place. If it wasn't for all those dang vampires. <laughs> Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally supernatural.